Welcome to another episode of Guide Live B2B Jam Session. Welcome, Oakland. If you are tuning in and you're in the building, you're tuning in from Oakland, show some love. Happy Friday. Incredibly excited that it's Friday. Thank goodness. This has been one of the longest weeks, again, as we continue to go to quarantine in California. By the way, if you're in California, you know we've been quarantining super hard. I mean, I rarely hear anyone around my apartment anymore at all. Everyone's just always in. In fact, one of my next-door neighbors, she's always coming out just to take a smoke break. That's how bored she's at. She's in inside. She's like, I have to come outside and take a break. And I hope you're taking a break, too, because it's crazy out here. There's still no places to go. Some people are barely going to the park, even though that's, like, my favorite thing. But if you're taking care and you're doing self-care, you're going out, you're reading books, you're just being pr productive during this quarantine. Shout out to you because I know it's incredibly, incredibly hard to be in the entire day and and not in just in your space. So shout out to you if you're taking care of yourself and, you, if you're give, and you're giving yourself time and time of self-care. In addition to that, if you're doing anything in Oakland this weekend, let us know. We might join you. I'm always looking for things to do in Oakland this weekend. If you're tuning in from elsewhere, whether it be the UK, Nigeria, Lagos, Wherever you're tuning in from, show some love. Shout out to Joseph, who is saying hello to him. Hello, Joseph. So excited to have you here on another episode of the B2B Live Jam Session. And we're live on Facebook, YouTube, Periscope, LinkedIn, all of our favorite channels. So my guest today, man, she's so awesome. You know, I followed her, her, her work on LinkedIn for quite some time. And she's just this wonderful designer and partner who works with Cello Labs or Cello Labs, and I, I might be mispronouncing it. She's going to completely correct me when she gets on. But Vanessa Slavis, she's this amazing designer who talks a little bit about really how do you find purpose in the work that you do, but also how can we design our careers and our jobs? And she does this for um, Cello Labs in a lot of the work that she does. And Cello Labs, she'll share a little bit more, is they're on the lead, bleeding edge on thinking about how do we think about currency and, and money transfer in this new economy that we're building in the future of work. So we're gonna dabble and talk about a lot of different things, but really want you all to show her some love. And if you have any questions at all, any questions around what she does, and you wanna engage in this conversation with us, please do. This conversation is for you. Our platform is your platform. But more importantly, Vanessa is a wealth of knowledge. And she's currently going through a move right now. So she's just, she's going to be completely open to sharing with you what's going on in her life as we all go through this next normal together. With that said, Vanessa, what's up? Good morning. Good evening. Nice good to see you. Good morning, right? We have some people tuning in from everywhere. I don't even, sometimes I don't even know what to say. Good afternoon, good morning, because we have such a global audience. <laughs> How are you doing, Vanessa? I'm doing pretty good. Um, it's a sunny day here, just in transition. So, you know, like when, when your kind of world around you is changing, right? Then it's like, you kind of can't sleep and there's a lot of anxiety. And so just trying to be present in the midst of change. Yeah, 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 no, that's so good, that's so good. So tell us a little bit about, you live in San Francisco, you, you're moving from San Francisco to Mill Valley now, right? Yeah, I'm moving um, under the trees. I've been really craving nature and so I think, I don't know if he does not, but I just finished chemotherapy. I've been on it for a few years. And so I've just been craving like being in the trees and being kind of surrounded um, in beautiful nature. So I'm excited. It's basically like a little cabin in the woods. Yeah, that's so good. That's so good. Good for you. I want you to share with us a little bit more about how long you've been doing the work that you do as a designer? Because you have a really layered and dynamic background. So kind of take us a little bit back on 
you know, what's the, what you how you got started with your passion in design? I started working in design, I guess, in high school. Uh, my elective was always art. Um, in high school, we had to like choose one kind of elective, and so I did art all four years. And then my senior year, um, I took a design, like a graphic design class. And then my teacher was like, "Oh, you should like you should really pursue this," and really encouraged me. Um, and so I chose it as my major as undergrad. And then I had definite imposter syndrome. I remember just thinking about the concept of a critique and being like, "No, I can never do that." And so I actually switched to business um, marketing, and I still minored in graphic design. And um, I've always kind of oscillated between business and design. And then I worked as a designer after school, but then kind of ended up in a business role, which was recruiting and um, working at Apple. Cause I, um, I lived abroad and it came back during the recession. And then I kind of went down this like people path for many years and then eventually went to grad school uh, for design. And then now I kind of do a mashup of the two. <laughs> a little bit of everything. You know, we all had that one design class or, or art class that we took in high school that some of us hated and some of us really just excelled at and realized that design and art was our calling. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> no, I just, I, lo I love the process. I think um, I was actually reflecting like when I first kind of got really inspired by design and I, through this packing process, I recently unpacked some of my college notes and there was a case study on an IDEO that we that we talked about in one of our marketing classes. And I don't even remember the brand, but it's basically a soap and the packaging for the soap. And you mm -hmm. then you could take the packaging for the soap and plant it because it is embedded with seeds and then like, you know, flowers could grow. And I thought it was like the coolest thing ever. And it was, it was like, how do you come up with ideas like that? And how do you test it? And so I think it's something that I've gravitated towards for a while. Um, and I'm excited to be applying uh, full time in my role now. That's so amazing. So tell us a little bit more about, you know, how does some, what makes you passionate about design? Because, you know, we've shared before that, you know, design is just not, you know, user experience or UI, you know, it's a little bit more about that. So we'd love to have you share your definition because similar to you, you know, we're both fellow designers. We love the work that we do, but, you know, one of the things that we often talk about on our guide platform and also that we talk about what well, I share a lot about on my LinkedIn is the opportunity of designing your career. So I wanted to have, kind of get your sense of, you know, what makes you passionate about design? Why do you love it so much? Um, as you know, so I, after Apple, I worked at Square for a number of years and I got really interested in diversity and inclusion work. Um, and I think what's really cool about the design process, so I'm less passionate about like the pixel here or how something like particularly looks, but I'm more about the process and the prototyping and the research and the exploration. Um, and then I have a coworker at C-Labs who really is great at like the visual finesse. And so we work really well together. But as far as my passion and related to diversity and inclusion, which is how I ended up working on this solo project is that um, you can involve people in the process. And so this concept of co-design and like participatory design. And so we've actually done a lot of research in emerging markets and we'll go and kind of design products with our users. And the fact that it's a process to include people is what really makes me really excited. It's like, oh, like, I now feel like I have like a hundred tools on my tool belt where it's like, oh, like, what problem are we facing? Well, let's try journey mapping. Let's try yeah. doing some more research. Let's um, let's do a diary study. I just like there's so many things that we could explore together. And then the result is that people feel included and they're part of the process and they're more excited about the outcome and, and being part of whatever you're creating. Yeah, no, it's so powerful. You know, that that's actually one of my favorite parts of design as well. And sometimes people don't design like that, which is kind of weird to me when I go into big tech companies and I see that they they completely don't get the point of design. It's about co-creation. And there's a whole bunch of different methods you can use to 
kind of engage with your customers. And, you know, it's actually that same philosophy is how will we apply within Guy. You know, I want to ask you a little bit about, you know, some of the work that you do with C-Labs, right? Because, you know, for you, what was a moment that you realized that, you know, there was this huge integration between design and business, right, where you can really apply at a high level? So the master's program I did, it's at California College of the Arts, and um, it's interaction design focused on social impact. Mm -hmm. And so the whole program was kind of this merging of, um, there's a lot of like leadership development and we had a whole course on like basically the future of work. Um, and in that course, we studied teal organizations, which there's a book called reinventing organizations. If you're familiar mm -hmm. with it, which just talks about like evolution of organizations over time. And so C labs is actually a teal organization, um, which is like the newest model. And so, um, learning about that in a design program where I think most people want to be product designers and that's kind of the outcome. I was like, Whoa, this is like a new way of working. And, so it's a little bit more almost like organizational design, but then you talked about like designing your career and there's a great book that came out of Stanford called Designing Your Life that like basically applies design thinking to yourself. And so we actually did that as part of the course among like many, many other things. And just that kind of like inquisitive curiosity with a mirror back on yourself, um, but then also with a mirror on the organization, you could basically apply it to any level or you can apply it to the team you're building, et cetera. So like, the design process can solve so many um, challenges, and it's not always always the answer, right? Like, there's other, you know, if you're in a if you're in a period of crisis and you just need a direction, maybe you don't need to involve everybody, and maybe somebody just needs to make a decision. <laughs> but but in general, like, um, it's such a it's such a rich way to participate um, in things. And so, uh, I think typically when people think about design, they think about the visual finesse um, or the pixels. But what about everything it took to get there? And you could take that exact same process and apply it to any problem that you're having in work or life. And that's what um, design really offers. And, and that's where it kind of meshes up with business is it's just it's just a toolkit, many toolkits and frameworks. Yeah, you know, it, 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 my belief is that in times like this, you know, we need people who are designing their career more than ever. And I want to show love to Bissoye as well as Kat who are showing you love. Kat says, congrats on finishing your chemo. You are Wonder Woman. Thank you. <laughs> and, uh, um, I think now in times like this, people need that mindset more than ever because my belief right now is that so many people are struggling due to the crisis that we're currently facing, and so many organizations are struggling yeah. the that we're facing. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, it's real. Like, um, I think for us, so we have people, we have three main offices, and then people distributed. And then just like immediately, it's like, okay, we're no longer in the office. And now like take all your same meetings and put them online and show up and you know, all that work, like, you know, there's all this emotional baggage from like the trauma of the situation. Like if your family's sick, if you're sick, like I have yeah. been like immunocompromised or like stressed about, you know, like exposure throughout this whole thing. And so like, I've actually thought um, a lot about this. So at one point my therapist told me, uh, when I was going through chemo, actually, I was like, I just feel like I'm less resilient now. Like the reality is like, I'm less resilient. And you told me to like draw things. So I'm just going to like, yeah, <laughs> draw. draw. Okay, cool. <laughs> Don't judge the quality of my drawings because I'm not the visual person. <laughs> but like, I think of resiliency like a jar. Um, wow. around. And then um, she told me it's not that you're less resilient. It's just you're more tapped out. So I think during COVID, like, I don't know if there's like this like COVID thing going on, you know, which is like taking a lot of stress for people. And then you have like this new way of working, which is like not that great for the people who are extroverts at least. And then like, okay, like I have health stuff. I don't know right now I'm like moving and it's like, 
it's like my my net resiliency is the same. If anything, it's actually bigger because I'm like growing through this process, but it's so easy to spill over because it's so full. It's like my resiliency jar is like full and overflowing. And so I think like very small things can tip people over the edge that normally wouldn't be an issue. And I've seen that show up just like even in our workplace. It's like, and and for me too, even just like the chemo stuff, like I like acupuncture therapy, like I'm a very much like a social person. And so my support network and dinner parties and like all these things that like make me whole and make me who I am. It's like, now I'm stressed and now I'm like overflowing and I can't go do the things that I normally do to like get me back to get me back grounded. And so it's just this compilation of things that are making it like really hard to just be present and be here. Yeah. You know, and where do you see kind of design helping people find grounding during times like this? Because I think that's your, to your point, everyone's cup is overflowing right now. Their resiliency cup is through the roof. You know, and mm-hmm. some people are finding grounding in different ways. One of the ways that I think I've been really incredibly impressed by is how people are like now taking on masks like their shoes, right? We're all getting creative mm-hmm. and kind of developing this new affinity with making sure we can style our masks and it's unique to us. So now we can kind of create these new identities and these new ways to spark conversations. But I think for people who are really struggling during this time, where do you think design can help them feel grounded and even kind of find gratitude through what we're all going through? Hmm. Yeah, I think it's, it's it's something that I think a lot about in the context of work is like yeah. setting the container. Um, so like design just offers like create, creative ways to engage. And so even this Monday in our leadership meeting, hmm. um, I we always have like an opening question or an opening exercise and it's the purpose is to connect. Um, and it can take like 10 minutes of a 15 minute meeting. And so it's like Monday morning, like I think in a traditional org, you might just like jump in and be like, okay, the business parties and blah, blah, blah. We spend like 10 to 15 minutes just like connecting. But this week um, actually led a meditation and like self care exercise. And so like breathing and like stretching and just letting people kind of like show up as they are. And um, I think just being thoughtful about those interactions that you, you can design, right? So that people can have time and space to connect because when you're in a physical office, you might intersect with people, you know, in the hallway and you have your water cooler conversations, but none of that exists. And so in the world of Zoom and Hangouts and Blue Jeans and whatever else, like all we have is this like screen time. Um, and how do you actually create those meaningful interactions in, in this context as well? Yeah, man. I, firstly, let me be honest with you, Vanessa. I don't like this world of Blue Jeans, Zoom. and, and you know, <laughs> It's actually the most annoying thing in the world. I've actually shared on my on my LinkedIn multiple times that I miss um, being in the office. And I think there's some people who are super remote work purists, and there's some people who are super physical work purists. And I think there's just a healthy between that we can all live in. But I actually miss being around teams and being around people and, and actually being able to see work happening not to see it because you want to control it but see it to see people enjoying themselves meeting each other talking with each other I actually miss mm-hmm. a lot of that you know i want to ask you you know can you tell us a little bit more about what makes cello's culture unique you know what are some things that make it really really special being a cello or a teal organization yeah i was actually just chatting with somebody who came to one of our retreats that we hosted and he, i was chatting with him like a couple days ago and he was like i think about cello every day and like i know that sounds cheesy but like and not like just cello but like 
the principles of cell? Like, what is your unique purpose? And like, what am I doing with the world? And what if money were beautiful? And he's like, when I when I signed up for the retreat, I thought it was gonna be all of a gimmick and like a marketing thing. And when I came, it was like, it was like real. Um, and so I think like, that's a really cool moment um, because we've been really intentional about the culture. And I guess I should explain something really quick because we're talking about Cello, we're talking about C-Labs and I'm well, using them interchangeably, but uh, Cello is a blockchain project. And so if you're familiar with that space at all, there's a heavy emphasis on decentralization. So like many organizations working on the same kind of technology. And so Cello is the name of the technology and then Cello Labs or C-Labs is our team. Um, who started working on the technology, but now there's many other companies and players. Um, but we actually, kind of like the designing your life framework, um, we actually apply it to our team. So we test and prototype things on ourselves. And then when when we feel like there's something to share, then we roll it out to the community and share it as an mm -hmm. offering. And so we've created this culture of like kits. And so we have a brand kit, we have an event kit, we have a merchant kit. Um, we are coming out with a pilot and research kit. Uh, grant kit and so we have this kind of like um, mentality of like sharing resources and, and building um, for the long term but I think one thing is unique is how we think about these like four things so I'm going to draw something again um, and it's something, we're here for it <laughs> um, it's something <laughs> um, it's something called the four quadrants um, and it's based on Ken Wil Wilbur's work uh, so sorry. Ooh, this is very uh, rough. Okay, this way. Um, and so there's like inside the individual. So this is like how I show up or my practices around morning pages and things that I do to like make me whole. Um, and then there's inside um, and external. And so kind of how I might show up in the world outside of the organization. There's outside the collective. I'm oh, sorry, this is a collective. Um, and so like this is the cello community or like the cello ecosystem or kind of the bigger initiatives. And then there's um, inside collective. So this is kind of what we're what we're thinking about when we think about C Labs and our company culture. So basically, we think about like our company, our culture along these four quadrants, and then all the programs and initiatives that we're building, we kind of build it starting it with inside the individual, or inside the collective, and then we scale it up for the community to use. Um, but I just wanted to give that context because it kind of, I guess, paints the picture about the connection between Cello and C Labs. And then going back to your original question about what makes it unique, is that, was that exactly what you asked, I think? Yeah, that's exactly what we asked, yep. Um, yeah, so in the same spirit, um, it's a teal organization, which basically means, without going into the whole thing, um, what it offers is evolutionary purpose. So the idea that individuals, um, the teams and the organization can always be evolving. So, so it's not kind of a fixed thing. Um, the concept of wholeness, that you could bring your whole self to work and psychological safety. Um, and then uh, self-management or what we call networked leadership. And this is like you kind of owning your body of work and being responsible and, and making decisions about that work. And so the way we're structured is we're a holocratic organization, if you're familiar with that, which is how we practice self-management. Um, we actually had a book club this morning on conscious leadership as a way to kind of show up as a leader within the organization and think about our evolutionary purpose. And so we have all these like frameworks that we use internally um, to really kind of drive our culture and how we work together. And there's a lot of benefits, but also challenges that come with this new way of working. Um, but at the end of the day, it's like people are kind of owning their work and we're like creating this beautiful culture of how people work together. Um, and it creates a lot more ownership and accountability um, in the organization. You know, it's so powerful too, because these principles of wholeness, psychological safety, 
and then having your own autonomy in how you work. Those are very future work s and you actually kind of led to one of the points i wanted to make about co-creating your culture with your people you know mm. labs and you know you, and you all are doing this really really well because it's all about starting from the inside out not from mm. the outside in. you know i want to ask you you know when you think about this what are two or three tips that you can recommend leaders and organizations to do to co-create culture within their teams or within their broader organization yeah, I, I think um, it really depends on the size of the organization or like where it is in its maturity, I guess. Because uh, mm -hmm. if you're just starting, it's very easy to be like, okay, like here's our values, here's our mission. And then if you're intentional about rolling that out and scaling it, um, that's the ideal state versus when your organization has 100 or 1,000 or 100,000 people, right? It's a lot harder to like change the culture overnight or co-create it with 100,000 people. Um, and I, I use the metaphor of like uh, a baby or a child or a puppy, you know, it's like, like there's like a window where you can really influence behaviors and there's nature and nurture obviously, but then the older the child gets, like it's harder to kind of change those patterns. And not that it's impossible, it just takes more work. So I think the same metaphor applies to organizations. The further on it is in its life cycle and maturity, the harder it is to change. Um, but we were actually talking about this yesterday, my coworker and I, um, about the importance of values. And we have a, a product launching that's actually, it's called Valora, but it's based on the word, the root word of, of value. Mm. And um, that's what it comes down to in the end. I actually have a life spreadsheet doc that tracks all of my values. And then all of my goals are mapped to what my values are. And sometimes I'm like, oh, like, I don't know what value this ties to. And then I'm like, is that really, like, is that really my, is that, you know, I'm like, maybe, I, maybe I'm not honest about what my values are. Like I had like, you know, race Kona, I used to like do a lot of Ironmans and it was like race Kona. And I was like, that doesn't really map to any value that I have. <laughs> Um, and so I think like it really comes down at the end of the day to what your values are. And then um, if you haven't defined those, that is the opportunity to co-create those with the team. But if you have um, one idea, we, we actually did this early on. So our values are unique purpose and connectedness, which Ooh. seem like such basic things. They just feel like truth, right? It's like every person has a unique purpose. Like we fundamentally believe that. And then people thrive in community and connection with one another. And so everything that we've done from the beginning, and this is where the designer's mindset comes in really great, has been designed to like root in those truths. Mm. Um, and so for our first company offsite, um, we actually created something called the gold book of values. And so it was this little, little paper packet where you were reflecting on, okay, what is my, what is my unique purpose? Which is a lofty question and people kind of get a little freaked out if you just ask him straight up. Um, but it's like, <laughs> you know, what are my unique offerings? <laughs> yeah, exactly. it's like a big question. Yeah, I actually did a, a workshop on it, um, which I have the link if you, if you want to share it, like about, about like creative exercises to explore what your purpose is. Um, but yeah, so it's kind of like, what are my unique offerings? And then how can I show that in with my team within C Labs and with the fellow community? So we had a reflection around that. And then how do I experience connection and how can I kind of show up with my team in the community in that way? And then there was some kind of offerings that you could make. Um, and related to that, like we use the term culture ad, not culture fit. And mm -hmm. so um, we then suggest like you kind of add this to our culture so that it's not this fixed thing, but then it, at the end it's like, okay, like for me, I really experience connection through food and, and friends. And so like dinner parties are really important. And again, that's like not as much of a thing now, but like maybe I can bring food and share it with others. And so that was kind of my reflection. <laughs> <laughs> right? 
you know, it, yeah. it, you know, it's it's been amazing just hearing how you and C Labs have been adapting and embracing this and still keeping your culture unique. You know, and thank you so much for coming on the show today, Vanessa, with all of your abundance and your illustrations, your live illustrations. You should definitely make that a job. That's a total job. You know, I want to I want to ask you so because I shared a post earlier on LinkedIn, and I want to get your thoughts on this. And because you being someone that's you, you, you're very intrinsically motivated and you believe in this philosophy of designing your career, you know. There are three ways that people fail at everything in life. One being that you blame all your problems on others. Two being that you complain about everything. And three, when you're not grateful. You know, what do you think people can do to practice mm. attitude of gratitude in their lives? Mm. I mean, the obvious one is the gratitude journal. Mm. Um, something that conscious leadership talks about. Uh, there's like the 15 agreements of conscious leadership is like pausing. So when, when you're feeling yourself um, like triggered or kind of reacting to things, you can actually take like five deep breaths, which if we had time, we could like do it together now, but basically <laughs> it, it causes you to shift um, from like a reactive mode to kind of more of a reflective mode. And I think it's for the concept of like a toolkit thing, like, I think gratitude, you could have your own gratitude toolkit. And so one could be maybe if you're if you're feeling ungrateful or you're feeling reactive or you're feeling anxious, you like take five deep breaths and then pause and think, okay, like what can I be grateful for in this moment? Um, mm. And I, yeah, I like, think that, like, I think there's probably many tools like that, but, it, but a gratitude journal is another one or like meditating on gratitude um, is, is another way. And so it, I think it's a practice like anything else. Like if you want to get in shape, you want to run a marathon, you have to have like a training plan and, until it becomes a habit. And um, yeah, it's just like probably like a 30 day plan around gratitude to get things um, to get because it's like a shift over time, like this kind of like more positivity focused mindset um, versus an overnight thing. Love that. Love that. That's so powerful. Thank you so much, Vanessa. You know, where can we follow your movement and all of the things that you're doing? with C-Labs as well as as a designer and as you transition to Mill Valley, you know, what, what's, what's up next with Vanessa? Oh, um, I'm actually working, well, this is more work-wise, but I'm just excited. So this value project, um, I'm working on like a quiz and a framework to explore what your values are. And then I'm actually prototyping it, prototyping with my coworker. Um, and then uh, want to align like her growth path to what her values are. And so kind of developing this like coaching model to kind of where you want to go in your career, but rooting it in the truth of your values. Um, mm -hmm. Cause everything should stem from what you value. Cause there's value and then a thought comes from probably what you value and then an action comes from a thought. And so if we can root everything back to what you value, um, the end result is like so much more powerful and in line with like who you are and, and how you show up. Um, so that's like a project I'm working on at work that I'm particularly excited. Um, but yeah, and then and then more holistically, just like healing, um, probably going to be under the trees reflecting. Sometimes sounds sounds weird, but like uh, when I was feeling like down about my treatment and stuff, I'd go on these hikes in COVID and, and in the Presidio here. This beautiful park in San Francisco. I would like talk to the trees a little bit. I was like, "What? what can you tell me? This is this is really overwhelming." And they told me to stay rooted, which yeah, you probably think I'm a hippie now, but that's. What <laughs> I love that. I love that. no the trees. Be, trees be speaking. The trees we see. You know, it's fascinating. We have so wise. Yeah, the trees are so wise. We share the same cellular biology as trees. Hmm.
And I don't know if you've seen there's like there's there's this movie the is it like the Great Fungi or something where it talks about like the web underneath um, the ground of fungi that like connects everything and how like fungi like kind of eat the things that get dropped and how this whole you know it's it's a whole ecosystem and it's a good it's a good reminder that like we're just a piece of this ecosystem. I think that's one thing if there's a gift of COVID, it's just showing us like how interconnected we all are. Yeah, 110%. Vanessa, it's truly been a joy having you on the Guide Live B2B Jam Session. So thank you for bringing your amazing, abundant energy and joining us as you transition to another place. We know how hectic that is. Can you please come back for another episode in the future, please? please, please. Yeah, let's do it. I feel like there's so many more things. I have like so many things we could talk about. <laughs> Hopefully after your move and after this post-COVID-19 or COVID-19 reality that we're all going through. Thank you so much, Vanessa. We appreciate you. Thank you. It's good seeing you. You too. Talk soon. Bye. <laughs> and that was the amazing Vanessa Slavich. Please check her out with the work that she's doing. Ashley Lab, she's a partner, designer, literally purpose-driven guru on all things on how you can design your life and create structures that will help you succeed. Shout out to Sanjeev, who's tuning in. Daniel, thank you so much for tuning in. Do y'all have any questions or do y'all want to talk about anything that Vanessa just shared? Or so, let us know in the comments. Let's break it down. Let's dive deep on it. That was some fascinating stuff. And one thing that I really love about what she talks about is this whole opportunity for us to co-create not only our lives, but also the team and the organizations that we're a part of. Part of. And even for me as a trained designer, I often am surprised by how much we don't seek input when it comes to how we're designing things for citizens at a local level or at a national level, which is even probably more grander and harder. But, you know, even just from a fundamental level in your life with your family, you know, we had more families at the table, dinner tables, talking to each other, seeing how can we support each other or what are the things that we're not great at? What are the values of our family? You'll have much more principled families. And I think at a local level, national level, and at an organizational level, you'll see that people are more aligned to the value that they want to create, right? When you have more people co-creating um, what they believe in. And I think that's really, really important. If you're building something, understand the power of co-creation. Co-creation is a really, really powerful tool. So definitely, definitely co-create. So if you have any questions for Vanessa, let us know. You can add them in the comments. I'm sure you can tag her as well. And she'll follow up with you. If you love today's episode of Guide Live B2B Jam Session, please share with your friends. Tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a friend that we just had another amazing episode of the B2B Live Jam session with the CEO of Guide, as well as Vanessa Slavish, designer and partner at C-Labs. In addition to that, our beta, beta has been going crazy. We are gradually expanding, adding new people every single day and leading our movement. If you are leading your movement, let us know what it is. Reach out to us at utfow.com, utfow.com. If you're interested in being on our platform, because our platform is your platform. And in, in addition, if you're interested in sponsoring a next episode, a future episode, or a long-term episode, whatever episode you want to sponsor, let us know. <laughs> Reach out to us at utfow.com. And if you want early access to our beta and to be a part of our movement, please, 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 please check out guideapp.co and get on the wait list. Get on the wait list. We're gradually expanding every single day, and we're incredibly excited to be leading this with that said, thank you so much for tuning into this 
special Friday morning episode with Vanessa Slavich. Please check her out and all the amazing things that she's doing at C-Lab. And more importantly, make sure you take care of yourself as you go into this weekend. Remember, your health is your wealth. As always, lead with peace, love, and abundance. All right, y'all. Peace.